I'm going to skip all preliminaries and I want to just share with you for just the next few moments something I've, I see why from the last service why I'm supposed to share this today and, and really it's a I want to give to you a preparation message and God gave to me just about, about, about a week ago and didn't understand it I think I understand it now it has only happened to me three times in my 40 plus years of ministry I remember exactly where I was for each one of them. And it was every one of them, those three times, was behind a pulpit. And I could tell you as I'm standing here, the voice of God was clearer to me than ever when I was standing behind that pulpit. It was as if time stood still and nobody out there mattered, but I heard God's voice. And when I was preaching, it wasn't a voice of direction, it was a voice of conviction. It was a voice where I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit would say to me, stop, stop that thought, stop saying that, and I heard it. It was in Delaware once, it was in Minnesota, and it happened right here in New York City, and I want to tell you that story in just a few moments. In Minnesota, I remember the Holy Spirit, I was speaking to a student body at a Bible school, and I remember that God told me to stop because I was embellishing. I was lying about the numbers that we had in our church in Detroit. And God said, stop, do not say any more. You're, you're not telling the truth. And I felt the Holy Spirit convict me right there at that point to really, to really warn me about exaggerating and warn me about what we would call exaggeration, but really calling it lying, lying about numbers. And I felt the Holy Spirit, the beginning of my ministry, stop me right in, in mid-sentence. Then in Delaware, I was telling a story, and God said to me, as I was telling this story, and God said, stop, it's not true, it's not the way that it happened. And I had to stop the story immediately. It was the conviction of God. He was saying, if you embellish anything, he says, then you don't need the anointing of God. He says, then if you want, if you want to go ahead and go on your own strength, then you're going to have to begin to, to start exaggerating and changing stories. But I vividly remember what happened here at Times Square Church. It was in the 90s. Pastor Dave and Pastor Carter sat to my left, and I remember the Holy Spirit convicting me of a rogue thought that was building in my mind. The choir just sang like it did today. The, 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 everybody was standing like you were today. And I vividly remember what was happening when I was standing and came and hearing everybody shout, everybody clap. And I'm not saying this to be humorous. I'm just telling you the thought that went through my mind. I thought in my mind, I thought, wow, they are happy that I'm here. I must be something else. <laughs> All these people have come to hear me today. And I'm telling you as I'm standing here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to me, stop it. It is on the sacrifice of others that you're here. And immediately, as people were worshiping, I, I kept thinking of the stories of Pastor Dave and Pastor Carter, our general overseer. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, has your wife gone through 20 cancer operations? Has your children faced the hurdles of sickness and, and cancer, even themselves and grandchildren? 
Have you been like Pastor Carter, almost died from black mold, from being in a home and didn't even know that, that he was in? He said, stop it, don't be foolish. And then I, I knew what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, don't be like that donkey that took Jesus into Jerusalem that thought they were saying Hosanna to him when it was Hosanna to the Jesus that was on his back. So stop it, it's all about Jesus and don't take what doesn't belong to you. I knew what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you. And I've learned something that I want to share with you. And that's not to confuse the blessing on this house with the blessing that is on me. Let me explain that. Not to confuse what the sacrifice of what the men and the women that have gone before me and the blessing of God that is upon this house and the presence of God is here and not to confuse it. I assumed me when it was God saying, no, I've done something in this house. And you're just, you're just you're having the opportunity to participate in that. And it was that day that I learned a, t- a different type of fight, Times Square Church. And it was what I call the blessing fight. And let me explain to you what I mean. I was born and raised in the church. And I know how to fight and survive in spiritual warfare. I know how to fight in spiritual battle. It doesn't, it doesn't scare me. I mean, just from, from, from the beginning of ministry to, to all that God has done, I know how to fight in spiritual warfare. But I wasn't taught how to fight after victory. I wasn't taught how to fight after the battle's over. See, there is what I call in the battle fighting. But there's also after the victory fight that goes on also. Let me explain to you what I mean. Because this is where we can take something that doesn't belong to us. What I started to do that moment, my thoughts went rogue, was to take something that didn't belong to me. I was taking something out of the victory of 20 plus years at that time. The fight of Pastor Carter, the fights of Brother Dave, of, of, of leading this church through some of the most horrendous times in New York and, and, and how they forged through that. See, in the battle calls for courage and strength. But think about this. After the victory calls for humility and the worship of God himself. Not taking it to ourselves, but giving it back to God. I kept thinking of what Brother Dave said. When he said a humble person is not one who thinks little of himself and hangs his head and says I'm nothing. Brother Dave said he is one who depends wholly on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. That's what humility is. It looks to God in in worship and just goes, God, it's all you that has done this. You are the one that has stepped up. You are the one that has has done this. It's, It's God beginning to say, don't touch this. Don't touch this. There is, there is something that I know that God is preparing us for. That even as I thought about our 10 o'clock service today, powerful move of God's presence today. At 10 a.m., I'll just tell you what happened right after the choir sang. It was as if the power of the Holy Spirit settled in this place. And, and we couldn't continue on. I didn't even get a chance to preach. And I remember as I'm sitting here, that God just kept, just kept doing something so, so profound here. And it was at that moment I was sharing with Pastor Carter before service. I was sharing with him what God began to do. I knew the voice of God and God spoke to me and said, there are people that are here that 
that wasn't going, that weren't going to make it through the weekend. They were walking in suicidal thoughts. Now, folks, this is not calling for a packed altar. This is, we had a full house, but I felt the Lord say, I interrupted this service to save their lives today. And I, we, we, at that moment, this is what I had in my heart, that there would be one or two people that God would interrupt the service for and that he would rescue them and, and share with them that there would be hope for them. And church, I am telling you, God is my witness. These elders are here that would tell you and those that were part of our 10 o'clock service. We just simply said, if you were battling suicide this weekend and it's a miracle that you're sitting here, I want you to come right now, the balcony, the main floor. Folks, probably 30 people came down. I, I was expecting, I, was, I believe there was two. I was expecting maybe one. But to see the tears and then the hope that God brought to them. Now folks, understand something. That wasn't, that wasn't the choir, it wasn't the worship, it wasn't me. It's God himself. It's what God is wanting to do. And that's why I believe today God was just giving us a taste of what he wants to do in this city of what he wants to do around us. And God is giving us a, a really a warning and a preparation message. Because let me explain this about, because when victory comes, when God begins to do what he has done, we better step back and go, this is God. We have nothing to do with this. This is nothing but the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I kept thinking of what I was reading just not too long ago. It says that the man full of himself can never proclaim the Christ who emptied himself. That we have to be a people that continually understand that we've got to make sure that we are emptying ourselves just as Christ did. It's, it's staying humble or we stumble into so many different things. And that's why I have to say this. I want to make an important point whether you're watching throughout the week or whether you're here today, I think sometimes that it's victory that can easily take down Christian leaders and pastors and churches. Let me say that again. Not, it's not the battles, not the temptations, but the victories. Because they takes, because it's easy to take something from a victory that doesn't belong to us. That belongs only to God himself. That we can take authority or recognition, a name, even money from something that doesn't even belong to us. I remember the story of the great Puritan writer, John Bunyan, that after he preached a great sermon, he was walking down and someone looked at him and just simply said, that was a great sermon. And he said, it's too late. The devil already told me. Because that's what happens. Because whenever something begins to take place, the enemy is wanting you to take something that doesn't even belong to you. Here is what God said in Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord, the, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise. He says, this belongs to me. Don't in the middle of victory take what belongs to me alone. There was an Old Testament king named Nebuchadnezzar who forgot and he stole the glory. Listen to this. In Daniel 4.29, this first opening, these, these, these first months are so important. It says 12 months later, I'll explain what that means. 
He, Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected, here it comes, folks, and said, is, now this is right after the, the three Hebrew children in the, in, the, in the fiery furnace, and God showed up, and Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed God to be the only true God. And all of a sudden he says, is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of, look at it, my power and for the glory of my majesty. And while the word was in his mouth, a voice came from heaven. God help us that that never happens to us. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed. You will be driven away from mankind. Your dwelling will be with the beast of the field. You will be given grass to eat like the cattle. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler of the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind, began eating grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. This is the king of Babylon, the most powerful. And as soon as he stole something that belonged to God, God shut it down. Notice those opening words because God was sending a warning. Twelve months later is what it says. One year later, 12 months from what? It was 12 months from the moment that Daniel warned Nebuchadnezzar. And he did not heed it. That he threw out and says, don't take the glory for yourself. It's God who's put you in this position. Folks, that, this is so burning in my soul. Because we're living in a nation where the whole nation looks to one city in America that starts to steal the glory for itself, thinks it's, it's, it's roof talk like Nebuchadnezzar. In Washington, D.C., we have the blues and the reds all fighting to think that they can change them. I mean, folks, let me just be really clear about this. Everybody, we have two sides thinking we need a red wave and now the blues are going, no, it, 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 it's all stop. Folks, let me be really careful. Let me, not even careful, forget that. Let me just say this. The real separation in America is not right versus left and blue versus red. It's we have forgotten that the battle is right versus wrong. That's what the battle is. We're, we're fighting over parties and we're fighting over mid Folks, our hope is not in a midterm election. It's not in a, it's not, it's not because you said we regained the house. It's not people going, we need a new set. Folks, it's none of that. We've got a God on the throne that we've got to look to. We have a God that we've got to keep our eyes upon. We're looking this way when we should be looking this way to God as a nation. There's not a Congress. I'm sorry. There's not a president. It it doesn't matter what's announced on Tuesday. It's God that we've got to find our hope and we've got to find our trust in. I'm sorry, folks. If you're looking for a political church, you won't find it here. But if you're looking for a church that keeps its eye on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this is where you have to stand. Listen to Daniel's warning right before. Nebuchadnezzar, 12 months earlier, this is what he says, same chapter, verses just before. 
He says, until you recognize that the Most High, he's speaking, Daniel's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes, and in that, it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree. Your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, will be assured to you after you recognize heaven is what rules. Not you, heaven rules. Therefore, he, you understand what he says? He said, if you can understand heaven's in charge, that will give you longevity. But once you think you rule, he says, I'll shut that down immediately. Look at the next verse. Therefore, O king, my advice to be pleasing to you is break away from your sins. Do what's righteous and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. You know what was happening? Nebuchadnezzar was getting the after victory battle warning from Daniel. He says, you've just won a great battle. You've just recognized that God's in charge. You saw him in the fiery furnace. You saw Jesus with your own eyes, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. You saw it, Nebuchadnezzar. So for you to take that victory moment to see that God is with, with us and to begin to move into anything less, he says, you're gonna find yourself in a dangerous position. He says, you need to understand heaven rules and God gave you the authority. You're gonna recognize this, Nebuchadnezzar. You can recognize it the easy way or you can recognize it the hard way. He says, and the hard way is gonna be seven years of insanity. Seven years of insanity. Folks, I'm just telling you, it's so easy to forget what God has done for us. And it's so easy to forget how he is the one responsible for the blessings upon our lives. When God moves in a service like he did this morning, it's God who has done that. It's not Times Square Church. It's not a preacher or a choir or a musician. It's God that has done that. To take anything more and go, now I've got them. Now I'm gonna put it on Instagram. Now I'm gonna put it on this and I'm gonna put it on social. And all of a sudden, we start thinking it's us that have done it when it's God that has done it. People forget. It reminds me of the story of, of Francis Chan where someone came to him after church and said, I didn't really like the worship today. To which Francis replied, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you anyway. Think of it for just a moment. Maturity recognizes that we remember who we worship and not how I like to worship. It's God that we worship today. And after Nebuchadnezzar went through three, seven years of chastisement and got his reason and his mind back, let me read to you the end of his story in verse 36. It says, at the time, my reason returned to me. And my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. This is a miracle. This is the mercy of God doing this. He didn't deserve this. He took, he, he took what didn't belong to him. And look what he says. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways are just. And I think he's giving you his biography. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. 
you understand what he was saying? You put your fingers on something that didn't belong to you. You touched something. You got a victory and you thought it was you. It's rooftop talk to think that you got yourself. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. It's, I, I got this doctorate. I got my master's. I got this job. I put that money aside. I, I, let me just tell you something. God, God wants us to put all that rooftop talk, and especially happens in Christendom. It happens in the church. That you take what doesn't belong to you. You took what didn't belong to you. You stole what belonged only to God, calling attention to yourself, what only God could have done. Let's not forget that it's what God has done. Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, if you would have heeded my advice, you would have gotten it on the victory side. The king was at the height of his rule and took something that didn't belong to him. He took the glory and he took the honor. Let me just be clear. This is where we have to understand something about God and who God is not. Listen to me carefully. God is not our butler that gets you the things that you want. Let me just say this to you. There's, it, it's a whole, it, it, it infiltrates all of the church today that we just tell God what we want. People get mad at God because he didn't get you what you want and when you wanted it. Get me a wife, get me a job, get my candidate elected, get, get, and oh, we just keep going. So when the butler doesn't deliver, you decide that the butler doesn't exist. And my response to you is you're right. The butler doesn't exist, but God does. The one that rules in heaven, he exists, but not the God that you've created. And folks, that's why I've got to come back to this. Heaven rules like, like Daniel was saying, and God is the one that gives the blessing. That if we're experiencing any blessing, it is nothing but the mercy and the grace of God and what he has done for us. It's nothing less than that. That's what happens. The king of heaven exists who's able to humble, like Nebuchadnezzar said, those who walk in pride. It's such a dangerous place to be. Let me give you just a few thoughts before we close. Let me show you another place, like Nebuchadnezzar, that something was stolen in victory. It's in Joshua 7. The battle is Jericho. The general is Joshua. The miracle is the walls fell down. Israel won the first of 31 battles in Canaan, and it was a miraculous one, marching around a wall seven times and having to be silent each of those times until the shout came on the final time. And then something happened to tarnish the victory. It was the, af it was the, the walls have come down. You've won the battle. And something in the middle of victory, someone stole something in the victory. They took it in the victory. His name, the thief, his name was Achan. And the walls have come down. They've won. The, 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 God has done something. And right after the victory, he takes something in the victory. Let me read to you the story in Joshua 6. Then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to God. Only Rahab, the harlot, and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent 
But as for you, keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you don't covet them and take some of the things that were under the ban and make the camp of Israel a curse and bring trouble on it. When you see that victory, it's like Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Don't touch what belongs to God. Don't touch what God says that's not for you. Now this is what it says. Verse 19, but all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron, they're holy to the Lord, and they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. Walls fell down. The people went into the city. Every man straight ahead. That's, a, that's an interesting phrase right there. Because in the actual, in the actual Hebrew, the, the word actually means that almost like the walls sunk down, that they were able to go straight into it, not climb over, but straight through. How that happened is nothing but a miracle of God. It was as if heaven came down and pushed the walls down so they can walk through. They didn't go over rubble, they went straight in is what the Bible says. Look at this now. So the people went straight into the city every man straight ahead and they took the city they utterly destroyed everything into the city both men women young old ox sheep donkey edge with the edge of the sword and god simply said the silver and the gold belong in not in men's homes but it belongs in god's house it belongs to god what achan took he took and he put it in his house he put it in his tent he took what was under the ban it's an after victory that they take something. They take something that belongs to God, something that God wants to do. And folks, let me just stop here for a second and speak to us. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done in the last two years. It has not been easy in the middle of a pandemic. And then with so much happening, unrest in our country and seeing all that's taking place, it just seems to come and come. And then globally, a Ukrainian, the Ukrainian-Russian war that begins to take place and still going on that we even forget today. We get so focused on us, we forget what's happening around the world. And you're thinking to yourself, with all that's happening, I am so grateful for what God is doing. I'm so grateful for how God has opened up really the, the world that we have a chance to speak to. And God has done so many amazing things from water baptism last week. And then um, on Tuesday night to see our Bible school and to see what God has done through them. And then all of a sudden to see what has happened this morning and the salvations. But be, we have to be careful whether you're music, whether you're preaching, whether, whether you're serving. This victory belongs to God. It belongs to God. You can't sit there and go, well, that belongs in my house. This belongs to me. It, it stays in God's house. It's him that, it's he that gets the glory of this. What was Achan thinking when he stole three elements? I don't know. Was he thinking, well, I've worked hard. I fought hard. I put my life on the line. I've sacrificed. I deserve this. Folks, it goes through all of our minds. All of us have those kind of thoughts. I believe Achan may have done something heroic in the fight and got caught up in his own importance. And all of a sudden, singling himself out, like, like I stood here in a pulpit thinking to myself, look at them all clap. Look at I'm What a great moment for me to be. And God goes, are you serious? Are you serious? 
Maybe Achan was doing the same thing. Maybe his Times Square pulpit was going, we just fought a good fight. We just got in. I deserve something. They're not, they, they're not giving us bonuses. They're not giving us extra stuff. It's just a bar of gold. It's just a bar of silver. It's just a robe that I'm going to begin to take. And God goes, don't touch that. That belongs to me. This is my victory. This is what I have done here. Oh, you, and I could just see Achan thinking, they wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for me. And people can single themselves out and forget the thousands of other soldiers, the spies that risked their lives. Joshua, who had to hear from the captain of the Lord of hosts, all the people that had to march around and be silent for those seven days. And somehow Achan got caught up with his small section and took what didn't belong to him. And I kept thinking to myself, God, don't let me do that. Don't let me take that, Lord, may you be able to trust this place that will never take anything that belongs to you. You receive the glory. You receive the praise, oh God. May he be able to trust us with this. Folks, I'm telling you, I, I remember Pastor Carter telling me on the phone, he says, everything in the church is negotiable except the presence of God. You can't negotiate that unless you have the presence of God. And the presence of God will not share his glory with anybody. And I'm telling you, folks, watch out when somebody takes the glory. When somebody begins to think, it's me that I'm done it. At that point, I, I know those thoughts. And it's when you're touching something that doesn't belong to you. It all belongs to God. It's God's. Achan. The Bible says in Joshua 7, verse 1, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, he, it, it says, took some of the things under the band, therefore the anger of the Lord burned against them. What did he take? He took a beautiful mantle from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of, and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. Let me just let you know, it, it, it was substantial. I don't know if it made him feel important, more important than obeying even God's word. More important than obeying God's word. And all I thought about was what Psalm 119.72 says. Listen to these words. The law of your mouth is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I kept thinking about this. The law of your mouth is better to me. Your word is better to me than getting 10,000 more followers on my social media. Your word is better to me than posting something about me. Look what I'm doing. Look at me. I'm at the pulpit of the. Stop it. Let God get the glory. Let God get the glory. Let God be the one who. And, and, and some go like, oh, you don't understand. You don't understand this time. People got to see. People got to see where you are. No, 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 no. Let's 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 get something straight here. I want to say, listen. I'm not. I'm not old yet, but I'm definitely not young. But let me just say this to you. I'm going to say this, and I want you to hear me today. I may not understand how to, how to type in something on my phone and have to go to my kids. Hey, take this and show me what to do. But I understand about something of touching the glory of God. And you keep your hands off that. You keep your hands off that. It's God. If God puts you in a place, step back and let God get the glory. Step back and let God get. It's better to me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's better to me. The law of your mouth. This book is better to me than thousands of gold and pieces of silver. But not to Achan it wasn't. Gold and silver was better than God's word to him. 
The children of Israel won, and Achan thought he should be personally rewarded. And it was given, and if it wasn't given to him, he'd take it. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why you must fight not only in battles, but you must fight after victories. Let me say this again. You must fight in battles. We've taught you that. Brother Dave has taught you that. Pastor Carter has taught you that. But I'm telling you this, I do believe, Pastor Carter and I have talked about this, there is something getting ready to happen. There is an awakening, I believe, that is getting ready to happen in this nation. I believe this morning, we just saw just the beginnings of something this morning. To see people getting set free. Folks, if you could have just been in my position watching grown men just weep and melt because the presence of God was here. And I'm telling you, this is God preparing us We have fought hard. It's true. When we say this, we will always say, constant battles promise victories. Constant battles. I'm telling you, there's battles that are coming, but there are victories that are coming. And those victories are coming is when they come, God gets the glory. There's nothing that we could have done except God showed up and God did this for us. God stepped in and did this. And these are, it's reminders to us not to take what belongs to him. It's not us. It's nothing but him. Oh my goodness. That's why I love, I was reading something. I think it was Augustine who said this. He said, God creates out of nothing. Therefore, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. God, he creates out of nothing. God, I, I don't, 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 don't let me think that I am something that I'm not, Lord God. It's all you. And if you forgot who you are, William Jenkin, the Puritan writer, reminds us. He said, our father was Adam, our grandfather was dust, and our great-grandfather is nothing. That will remind us who we are. It's God that gets all the glory. It's God is the one that gets it. Battles are coming, but victories are coming too. It's all throughout the scriptures. And this is where I want to close as the band comes. Listen. 2 Kings chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to give them very quickly. 2 Kings chapter 5. Elisha heals Naaman, the Syrian general. Dips down into the Jordan. And there was a man named Gehazi that just couldn't let God get the glory. He had to get gold in the midst of it. Hunted down the healed man that began to say God exists here and hunted him down to get his gold and to get something that, that, that he wanted. How about in the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, verse 21, Herod, the Bible says on an appointed day, Herod put it on his royal apparel, took a seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to the the people of that time. He said the people kept crying out, the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Why? Because he did not give God the glory. Took him out. Done. Eaten by worms. What? God just shut that thing down. God, folks, God doesn't play with his glory. God doesn't play. He's the one that gets the recognition. Think about this for a moment. The people kept crying out. This is a God. This is a God. This is a God. You want to see an interesting contrast? Look two chapters later in chapter 14 when Paul and, and Barnabas 
are, are in, in, in uh, I think it's in Lystra or Lyconium. Listen to this. It says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods, almost exactly like Herod, have, have become like men and have come down to us. They're calling Paul and Barnabas gods. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, Look at verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their robes, rushed into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature. And just we're preaching the gospel that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and is all goes to him. You understand what was happening? When men try to put it on them, they pointed right back up to God himself. No, but they wouldn't even let him do it. Herod took it. Paul and Barnabas pointed it right back up to God and said, this belongs to God. Here's what's amazing, folks. You'll see it all over the scriptures. A church named Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 simply says we're rich, we become wealthy, blessing of God, and have need of nothing. And then all of a sudden, God steps in and says, don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? How about Luke chapter 12? Jesus tells the parable of the man that had the blessing of God. He just simply said, I'm going to tear my barns down, build bigger ones. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to my soul, soul, you've laid up many goods for years to come. Take your ease. And God says, you fool, don't you know that this night your soul is required of you? So how do you fight? What, what is God asking of us? Let me just give it to you really quickly. As the band comes and we play and we're going to get ready to go. Here's what I've learned. How to fight after victory. Number one, thank God constantly. Never, I'm telling you, never receive a raise, not even a meal, where you don't say thank you, God, and acknowledge him. Never receive any. Folks, can I just tell you, we we got blessed um, some months ago, and every night, Cindy can attest that we just go, thank God that you provided. Thank God every single night. We thank God every night for our apartment. Every night we say, God, thank you that you provided this for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Daily gratitude is a formidable weapon. You fight, you fight taking the glory when you just go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Church, I'm telling you, my children, Hear me pray this every, over every meal when we're together as a family. I say these words, thank you for providing the money that we could have this meal together. I'm just telling you, fathers, family people, moms, don't ever, I mean, don't ever let your children eat something without saying, stop, stop, stop. We're going to thank God that he provided this. God provided this. I thank God constantly. I just want to say thank you, God. I, I want to just stop and say thank you for what you did this morning. Thank you for what you did this morning. Well, just lift your hands for a second. Some of you weren't even here, but just, would you just thank him for something right now? Just say thank you, God. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for my health. Thank you that I'm breathing. Thank you that I'm out of the hospital. Thank you that I made it through surgery. God, it's you. You get the glory. You get the glory. You get the glory of it, God. You get the glory. You get the glory. Thank God constantly. Can I give you just one more? And it's this. 
share it generously. Share it generously. When you don't share what God has done, your soul rusts. It corrupts the soul. And I'm not just simply talking about finances, but it does happen financially. The Apostle Paul talked to those of means when he was speaking even to the church. Listen to what he says. He says, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a snare, many foolish and harmful desires, which can plunge men to ruin and destruction. This is this, for the love of money, you know this one, is the root of all evil. Some, by longing for it, have wandered away from it. They've spent more time trying to make the buck, but have pierced themselves with many griefs. And look what Paul said. He said, I'm, just when you think he'd let it go, he goes, no, 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 I've got something to tell you. He says, instruct those to do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of good foundation for the future that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Folks, I know churches, they'll take, they'll take a month, they'll take three weeks, and they'll talk about giving, they'll talk about, let, let, me, just, let me just give you one quick thought. I, don't, I won't take four weeks, I'm gonna take 40 seconds. Listen. Tithing is a thank you note to God. It's a thank you note to God that says it all belongs to you. So if there's a difference between tithing and tipping. Tipping is just going, I'm still in charge. Tithing goes, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for me. You can argue anything you want. That's fine. That's why for us, it's a joy when we know that all around us We've already got the emails that have come in to, to, that are upset with us helping the migrants that are coming from over the border. Send all you want. We're not reading any of them. I just want you to understand that. We read none of them. Send your, send, try to politicize it. We're going to show the love of Jesus and put coats on all of these migrants that are coming in and say, God loves you. I can't wait because we want you to come. I can't wait to do a Christmas dinner for them on Sunday, December 25th. We're going to be right here. We're going to have toys and a Christmas meal. We're going to be here and we're going to show the love of Jesus on Christmas Day for all those that are coming in. Folks, let me just tell you something. I want to thank God. I thank God for our country. I thank God for our country. I want to thank God. I thank God for the men and women that have fought valiantly this weekend as we celebrated Veterans Day. I thank God for all of you that have served and, and are still serving. We say thank you for providing the freedom that we have in our country. I thank God for that. And we want to share generously. God has blessed us as a church. We have to share generously. We have to do this. We have to show the love of Jesus. And that's why this is so important to us. I know God is getting ready to do something. And I'm, God is just going, keep your hands off. Keep your hands off. Don't steal in the victory. Don't steal in the victory. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Listen, I'm thankful. I know people are going to misconstrue. I'm thankful for social media. I'm thankful for, for that we get to show you pictures. And I, I get it. I get all that. But don't, don't take the glory. Don't take the glory. Don't take the glory. God gets the glory of this. Don't take the glory. It belongs to God himself. Thanks so much for listening. 
We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.